Thank you, worship team and singers. Appreciate you being here today. Church of the Warm Heart, good morning. Great to have you on this chilly day. Anybody else have to scrape their windshields this morning? A couple of you. Do most of you park inside? My wife's car, federal law says the wife's car is on the inside. That's, that's, that's how that works. Uh, but it's good to have you this morning. If you're joining us online, hello. Welcome to all of you as well. We are certainly blessed to have you with us. Whatever day you're watching this on, it's, it's uh, October here. It's the last Sunday of October, uh, which means next week, first Sunday of November, which for us nowadays is the end of daylight savings time. <laughs> 
you get to sleep in an hour next week. That's what that means. If you forget, we are excited to see you at the first service next week. Um, that's, that's awesome. Uh, next week begins our annual Thanksgiving box program. We do Thanksgiving box. We're going to try to do about 50 this year. Uh, 50 boxes. We're going to bring in the boxes. Uh, next Sunday, feel free and take a box. We're asking folk to get the dry goods out of that, the butter, the milk, and the turkeys. We're going to take care of that on our side. We don't have a lot of storage space, uh, so we're going to get it like the week before and figure that out with the stores. Uh, but uh, So when you think of turkey, think of us. That probably didn't sound right, but uh, <laughs> you're, you're, you're going to be in charge of uh, the dry goods, so, uh, so thank you for helping out with that. Next Saturday is our, this Saturday, right? Six days, six days away. Margaret, come on up and tell us what's going on. Yeah. This is the last announcement I have to make for this. <laughs> okay, so this coming Saturday, and thanks, Nicole, and first service for giving me that heart attack. Six days from now is the uh, annual bazaar. And by annual, I mean we haven't had one since COVID started. So I hope everybody shows up. Um, It's from 10 till 2. We'll have crafts. We will have soup. It's our super Saturday. So there's going to be tons of food. Uh, come have lunch, uh, look at uh, the, the neat things that our congregation can do and make, and just enjoy some time with your family. Um, we are still looking for anyone who wants to make crafts to uh, donate to this, uh, anyone who wants to make baked goods, who wants to make pies, who you know just wants to show up and help. If you show up, we'll put you to work. I'm good at that. Ask my kids. Uh, but yeah, it's next Saturday from 10 till 2. Thank you. Thank you, Mark, for doing that. And I just remembered, um, uh, talked about the turkey boxes. I see a clipboard over there. Jen, can you tell us what that clipboard is? Going back, one announcement. I'd be happy to. I figured. (laughs) Yeah, so next Sunday, we are going to have the boxes available, which Pastor Mike talked about. But we've got a need to have volunteers to be able to make this run smoothly. So if you are available uh, between services on November 5th or November 12th, or after both services on the 19th, I have a clipboard for you, and I would love to get your information, and um, I will share all the details of what that would involve. So if you feel it in your heart to volunteer for this wonderful ministry, please see me. Thank you, Pastor Jen. We are the Warm Heart Church, and I swear some days we should be called the Clipboard Church because we have clipboards going on all the time. I'm looking up here. Someone's in my seat. We have a guest speaker today. Can I hear a gasp? Yeah. It is my my joy to welcome the Reverend Karen Hernandez to our pulpit this morning. Uh, Just stay standing for me while you're there. She is our district superintendent. What is a district superintendent, I hear you ask? What is a district superintendent? Great question. Well, we are part of the Oregon-Idaho Annual Conference. All Methodist churches in Oregon and Idaho are connected. The conference is broken up into four different districts. It's up there on the wall. (laughs) There's there's Oregon-Idaho kind of smashed together there. Sage District 
is, is this D.S. Karen's uh, realm. How many miles do you put on? Lots. Uh, lots of miles. She even gets a third of Oregon right there. Uh, sage, it sounds really smart, doesn't it? We are sage pastors. Uh, we got about 40 churches in our district that Karen oversees. In essence, she's, she's my boss, or at least my uh, immediate supervisor, so make me look good today. I appreciate that. Uh, she comes from a far off land, the shores of New Jersey. Is that where you're from? Shores of New Jersey. And uh, here in Idaho, she has served the churches in Burley and in Cuna. We are blessed that she will give the word today, traveling all the way from her home in a town called Meridian, Idaho. <laughs> she came down the street, uh, but we are blessed to have her with us. I'm giving her uh, this, this introduction now, so at the sermon time, she could just go off and, and, uh, and, and go with it. But can you please welcome Karen to it? All right, uh, this, is, this is the time in worship that many pe- people like and some, some don't, so take it as you will. Uh, if you like to shake hands, shake hands. If you like to hug, hug. If you don't want to do any of that, just, just smile. Can you, can you practice with me? Let's, let's get, get, your, get your smiling ready. Give your neighbor a smile, a big smile. Not a creepy smile, a happy smile. All right, I think we're warmed up. Let's take a moment, greet those around us in Christian love, and then remain standing for the opening songs. Do for you what is done for 
us pray. Gracious and loving God, thank you for this new day, for the cool, crisp air, the changing of the seasons. Lord God, there is beauty in all of it, and we are full of gratitude. This is your world, and we, we are your people. Help us to always be able to see the good and the joy and the wonder of your creation. And help us to see the need as well. May we be moved by compassion to respond with love. Help us to see one another as you see us, so that we may be a source of healing. Lord God, remove any blinders that we may have, so that we may see and know your truth. Lord, we ask that you use us, mold us, transform us for your purpose. And Lord, today, on this beautiful day, we come together to worship and praise you and to pray as Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Please be seated. Unless you're a kiddo, if you're a kiddo, come on up. This is your time in worship. You can be a kid at heart too and join us. I'm excited. I'm excited. I like this week. What's going on this week? Is there a big holiday coming up that we'd like to celebrate? Yeah. Halloween. What happens at Halloween? What do we get? Candy. candy. Yes, lots and lots of candy. Trick or treating. You get to rock the door and or ring the doorbell. trick-or-treat. That's right. If you, and if you come to our house and if you say thank you, you get two pieces. That's our rule. So if you get thank you, yeah, I don't know. If, you could try it, try it. But uh, if you come to our house, say thank you, you get, get two pieces. Anybody dressing up this week? Or what are you dressing up as? Still deciding? It'll be something. It'll be cool, won't it? Hopefully it'll be warm, warm. Uh, some of the costumes I see out there look really cold. It's going to be cold. <laughs> chilly next. Are, are you dressing up? What, what? what? It's a TV show. What's the TV show on Netflix? That girl, Lele. That girl, Lele. I am not hip and cool. 
Oh, this does say Lele on there, doesn't it? Yeah. I don't know. I'm still a Bluey fan. That's where I'm at right now. I'm still watching Bluey. Well, cool. I remember dressing up when I was uh, younger. I, I, was, I was Mickey Mouse for a while or a mouse. I was, I was the Hulk for a while, pirate one year. And, and it was just fun to practice and be, be something different just for a day or just a night, just to pretend. Got some, uh, this is for the uh, ooh and ah factor. Uh, let's, let's see some common baby costumes that I saw this year. <gasps> oh, wouldn't that be cool? A little garden gnome you could be. Oh, a little chicken. That's cool. <laughs> Mustard and relish and ketchup. Oh, my. Wow. It'd be kind of fun to be an old person. That's so cute. Mm. I could just eat her up. Yeah, taco. Oh. <laughs> I'm not sure what that implies, but it's cute. It's cute. Well, there's a line, there's a line in the New Testament in the book of Colossians that says this, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. On Halloween, we pretend and we dress up and that's kind of fun. But for the rest of the year, we clothe ourselves We put a costume on of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Hopefully it's not just a costume, but we can grow into it and and live it out. Uh, Sometimes we pretend, though. Uh, I'm happy that uh, we have a guest preacher in today because it lets me play over here with a band. I like to play with a band. When I was uh, in college, I was a sophomore, which is the second year of college, and I showed up because I wanted to a, to a music class because I wanted to be in a group called the Swing Choir. And we'd sing and dance, and I thought that would be a lot of fun. So I showed up, and I walked in to, to the room, and there was one other person there early, earlier than me. I like to be early, but this person was really early. And I thought she was pretty cute. So I sat down next to her. Her name is Stephanie, in case you're curious. Uh, happens to be hypothetically the name of my wife, Uh, I sat down next to her, never saw her before, and she was filling out her form, and I started to fill out my form, and she was was upset that I sat next to her because there's 40 seats, and I sit there, but I wanted to get to know her a little bit more, and so we practiced a little bit and sang a little bit together, and she made the group, and I did not. Oh, wow. So I asked the director who I knew, how do I get in this group? Because I really want to see this gal. And he says, do you know how to play bass guitar? I said, give me one week. So he gave me a bass guitar, and that's how I learned to play. I pretended for a while until I actually got good at it. Jesus doesn't expect us to be perfect all the time. But he wants us to practice. Practice because when you practice, when you clothe yourselves with humility and with goodness and with kindness, eventually it becomes a part of us, and that's pretty cool. Can you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings upon these little ones that as they grow in love and godliness, we just pray that your hand is upon them. May they have a safe week and Halloween ahead, that they get more treats than tricks, and that they know they that, that they know they go with the love of their parents, of their guardians, of their families, of this congregation, and most importantly, with you. 
It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Thanks for coming down and have fun at Sunday school. And as they go, we're going to start the offertory process. If you participate in the offertory to this church, thank you, thank you, thank you. You make ministries happen, and we couldn't do it without you. Uh, we, had, we had a fun event on Friday. We had the fall festival with uh, Malia, put it together uh, with all our kids. I think we got a picture, hopefully, of that. Those are some of those kids who showed up. Uh, and some of the treats, if you were at the coffee hour, were left over from them. So uh, thank you to everyone who helped do that. And as we take the offertory today, uh, we're just going to have a quick uh, slideshow of some of the pictures that we had of the women's retreat that took place, was it last week? Last week. Just last week. Take a look to see what they did, and, and if you didn't get to go, think about it. This is for the ladies. <laughs> if, you didn't get, if you didn't get to go, think about it for next year, but let's, let's see what they did while we take the offertory.
Thank you, church, and thank you, ladies, for making that happen and for making the video back up there. Jacob, we thank you for that. Lisa, you were on that retreat. Did you have a good time? Yes. Awesome. And Lisa is going to read our scripture for us this morning. Um, today's scripture is Luke eighteen thirty-five through 42. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard the crowd going by, he asked, what was happening? They told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Those who led the way rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and ordered the man to be brought to him. When he came near, Jesus asked him, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, I want to see, he replied. Jesus said to him, receive your sight. Your faith has healed you. Thank you, Lisa. Friends, before I launch into the sermon, I owe you an enormous debt of gratitude. A little while ago, Mike mentioned uh, that annual conference, the Oregon-Idaho Annual Conference. That's both a network of churches, all under the leadership of the same bishop, but it's also an annual event, and it sounds more like the event, but it's a geographic area and an annual event. The last time we had an in-person annual conference prior to this summer was 2019, like your annual bazaar, right? Whoops. Plans change. And for many years, 2019 and before, we had had those conferences in hotel convention centers, Portland, Salem, Eugene, and once in a while here in Boise, usually over at the Riverside Hotel. But we are doing things differently by necessity and by choice. So in June of this year, we had our annual conference gathering here, like right here in this room. And in some ways in the annual conference, people keep thanking me for hosting annual conference in Meridian. And I tell them I had the easiest job. I live two miles away and it's not my church. It's your church. And yet you managed for days on end to welcome a couple of hundred people or so to have meetings constantly, to worship once or twice a day, and have musical interludes. You made sure all of those people were well-fed, received with warm hospitality, had everything we needed, especially lots of tech, on and on, and you pulled that off. I am so grateful. The skeptics from across the annual conference who didn't think any local church or this local church could do that, they are all grateful because people had a wonderful experience being here. And that didn't happen automatically. And it sure didn't happen with me living two miles away and sending lots of emails about it. It happened because so many people here put in so much hard work to make that possible. I will get into lots of trouble if I try to name all the names, so I won't even try. 
But I do want to highlight for all of you that Lisa Miller's uh, gift of time and wisdom and patience with those of us who needed this to happen and happen well here in your church, Lisa Miller's gift of service was incredible. She's been thanked in small ways along the way for months now. Can you help me thank her again? If you had anything at all to do with annual conference, if you picked up a bulletin that was left behind, if you prepared a meal or a snack, if you helped with anything in any way, would you please stand for a moment so we can see you and thank you? Probably a lot of people up front. It was the whole choir at the first service and people around. Yep, all the tech folks are standing. We didn't look back in the balcony before. Thank you, thank you, thank you to each one of you. I am deeply grateful. And I promise I won't ask you to do that again in 2024. That's as far as I'll promise, but... All right. I also want to tell you uh, that... It was last December when Pastor Mike asked me if I would preach and be in worship here with you today. So I penciled it in, hoping it would work, and I'm grateful that it did, that plans didn't change. I was able to schedule around it and be here. And then he told me in August that you would be in the midst of your Wizard of Oz sermon series when I came. But he was clear that I did not need to participate. He didn't hold guests to being a part of that theme. It would just be going along before and after this particular Sunday. And I said, well, that might be an interesting challenge. I've never preached a sermon about Oompa Loompas before. And he was kind enough that he, he just smiled and nodded. And I kept sort of thinking about that in the back of my mind. And a few days later, I mentioned it to my husband in passing. You know, I've never preached a sermon about Oompa Loompas. This Wizard of Oz series might be my chance. And he said, maybe not. You know that's a different movie, right? Well, I know now. <laughs> I am happy to report that since those conversations, I have watched again both Willy Wonka and The Wizard of Oz, and I am better qualified to distinguish between Oompa Loompas and Munchkins now. But what's much better news than that is that I'm not preaching about Oompa Loompas and I'm not preaching about Munchkins. I'm going to preach about this text from the Gospel of Luke. So we're all better off by me doing that. Will you pray with me? May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be pleasing unto you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today's text is one of many in the Gospels when Jesus and the disciples are on the road. Now, it would be really convenient for this series if they were on the yellow brick road, but they weren't. They were on the Jericho road, but that's okay. There are some similarities. Jesus is not traveling alone. He's traveling with a crowd. And as they get to a town, there's even more of a crowd there. Not munchkins or Oompa Loompas, but there's a crowd all the same. And the crowd isn't particularly important, but it's what they do as a crowd. And it's what happens in their midst that matters. They're on the Jericho Road, not headed to the Emerald City or any place else, just on their way to Jericho, 
when there's an interaction that's pretty interesting. It's also pretty common. It plays out again and again in a number of different stories throughout the Gospels. So as Jesus is about to pass by the town, there's a lot of activity. People have heard that he's coming. They're excited to see him. They're racing around. And in the middle of this frenzied activity is a blind beggar. Now, he can't see what's going on, so he asks, and someone who's passing by explains, Jesus the Nazarene is passing through our town. And this blind beggar, who is unnamed in Luke's gospel, he doesn't need to see Jesus with his own eyes. He knows what to do just by hearing who's coming to town. So the blind beggar begins shouting, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And here's the pattern. Time and again, when there's a crowd and Jesus is going someplace and someone tries to interrupt, people try to squelch the interruption. Maybe they're just being nice, trying to help Jesus stay on track, trying to keep things going according to plan, according to the bulletin. You know, I appreciate when the bulletin is accurate, too. But sometimes it's the crowd and sometimes it's the leaders. Luke's gospel says it's the leaders who silence the man, who try to hush him. And as often happens, the one who's being further marginalized won't be silenced. So in this case, the blind beggar shouts again, only louder this time, Jesus, son of David, give me mercy. And the next part is predictable, too. You remember other stories like this in the gospel? Like when people try to shoo the children away? Don't bother, Jesus, get back. The same thing happens here. He wants Jesus, wants the one who is disrupting things to become the center of his focus. That's where Jesus chooses to place his attention. The one that the crowds and the leaders try to silence or push aside. So Jesus doesn't keep heading to Jericho. Instead, he stops. He waits until that blind beggar is brought close to him. Now, Luke describes him as a beggar. In my mind, when I picture that, I picture someone with some kind of container or maybe just their hand out or a hat. They're wanting money. That's what I've often seen. We hear other people doing that. We've seen it in movies and things before. But I also read a translation this week that said that the man was begging for food. So it's possible that that's what he was asking people for as he sat on the street that day. And it would be obvious probably to the folks in town who knew him and and even to Jesus who'd never met him before, it would be obvious that the man was blind. And yet, even with all of these very clear clues, when the man gets to Jesus, Jesus says to him, what do you want me to do for you? That's not always part of the pattern. It's especially not part of the pattern of the church, historically. Not any one congregation, but but all of us. We tend to be good people with good intentions, and we know what other people need, right? So we give it to them. We we seek to be generous. We offer those gifts. Except we really frequently forget to ask, what do you want me to do for you? 
In just a moment, Jesus will restore the man's sight. But I think the healing starts when Jesus asks the man the question. The healing starts when Jesus gives that man the gift of dignity and autonomy. Jesus doesn't assume he knows what's needed. He assumes that the person with whom he's speaking knows what he needs. And Jesus asks him, what do you want me to do for you? Instead of, here, I'll do this for you. By asking the question, instead of just handing him something or or performing a miracle, Jesus enters into relationship with the man. And relationship is far different from charity. I think the healing starts at that moment of relationship and autonomy. Now, the man in this case answers predictably that he would like his sight. But even if Jesus would have guessed it right, they would have missed that opportunity to relate, to be in dialogue, to both be active in this moment of a miracle. He asks to receive his sight back, and indeed Jesus does just that for him. Suddenly he can see Jesus explains your faith has made you well, and that's back in the familiar part of the pattern we see in the Gospels, right? As soon as he gets his sight, did you notice what he does next? Two things at once. He immediately begins to praise God and to follow Jesus. He doesn't just receive his sight and run off to see all the things he's been missing, to check in with all the people that he's been remembering their faces but unable to see them for so long or maybe forever. No, instead, he's in relationship with Jesus. So he follows Jesus. And his praise is so exuberant, so over the top that it's contagious. When he starts praising God, those around him do too. Maybe they're not just scrambling to see what they can get from Jesus or scrambling to get a glimpse. They're all together praising God and continuing on along the road. The very next verse in Luke's gospel says, when they arrived in Jericho, so they they kept moving down the road, that Jericho road did in fact lead them to Jericho, not the Emerald City. No yellow bricks here, remember, but... But there were some similarities to that Jericho Road and the Yellow Brick Road. Have any of you watched The Wizard of Oz lately? One? Two? Oh, good. Okay. You, you got better uh, odds here than the first service, where in a full room only one person had recently watched it. Pastor Mike, did you have to rewatch it to preach? You've. I've seen it dozens of times, and yet I thought there were Oompa Loompas. So uh, maybe I just need like the remedial version of this stuff. (laughs) I really did just watch it again last week for you. You were a great excuse for watching a great movie. Well, if you've watched it recently, or if you have an excellent memory of it from all the times before you've watched it, the Yellow Brick Road starts as a spiral. You really don't get very far at the start. But then, after you do some concentric circles following the Yellow Brick Road, then it goes off over the hills and it goes through all kinds of unexpected places. There's a dark forest orchard kind of place, and 
You, don't, you wouldn't expect that from the bright and colorful and sunshiny munchkin land where Dorothy first starts out. And I don't know about you, but my faith journey has been a little like that. I don't want to assume that I know about your faith journey either. So just to give me a tiny glimpse of what that's been like for you, um, I won't call on you, I promise. But by a show of hands, whose faith journey has been a consistently straight, smooth, easy path all along the way? Just raise your hand if that's your story. One, one jokester, one trickster, and no hands that I can see. Okay, well, I have that in common with you. Notice I did not raise my hand for that either. Uh, let's try another one. Who has been able to move along this journey of faith disconnected from all other people and without ever leaving your home? Nobody? I can't see the hands at home, but, but those of you watching online, there's not a single hand raised here in the room. All right, one more time. Um, whose faith journey has included new relationships, twists, stumbles, turns, blessings, unexpected challenges, and some beauty along the way? Anybody? Ah, oh, see, we do have some things in common. Most hands go up for that. It wasn't, for me, the journey wasn't, it hasn't been exactly the way it started out or exactly the way I would have expected, but my goodness, it's been an adventure. Dorothy starts out on that path with strangers, and I don't know, it's probably a couple of days, maybe it's only one day. By sharing the journey together, those strangers become friends friends that are deeply connected. And that's certainly true of my faith journey. It's also important for me to remember and be really intentional about the fact that this faith journey is not just a treadmill where you take one step after another and you just keep going and going and you never get anywhere. You can develop particular muscles like that, but when you actually need to use those muscles for something different... Well, they may or may not work for you. If you haven't actually practiced them when it counts, if you haven't tried living out your faith when, when it matters, when the stakes are high, when it's not easy, well, you've you got to practice it that way to know that your faith will hold up and work for you in that way. That's at least how it's been for me. It's not a call to go through the motions in the same place over and over. It's a call to take this faith on the road with us, to take it outside of the walls of this building, outside of our comfort zones, into our regular routines and our daily paths, but also on grand adventures, whether we ask for them or not. Sometimes they're unexpected adventures. The nameless blind beggar at the start of today's passage, he's transformed into a follower of Jesus. He's no longer sitting on the side of the road, but he's on an adventure. And I don't know if you noticed, when Jesus was passing through and he asked about it, the beggar asked, they said, Jesus, the Nazarene, the guy from Nazareth is about to pass by. And that's not who he cried out to. He didn't cry out, Jesus from Nazareth. No, what did he say? Jesus, son of David. 
He knew Jesus for who he was. If we dug into the original languages and the history of referencing someone by their lineage, we would realize that he understood in a very deep way who Jesus was. Not just recognizing a name or a face, but recognizing him as the Son of God. So it was the blind man who saw Jesus for who he really was. Maybe another reason to be in conversation with people, to find out what they can see without using their vision. What can people hear that doesn't only rely on their ears? What do people know if we stop and get to know them? Friends, as followers of Jesus, as I believe you to be since you're gathered here, we've got places to go because Jesus may be in here. But if he is in here in our midst, he won't stay long. He's got lots of other places to go too. So we would do well to follow him by not staying put. In fact, Bishop Cedric has invited us specifically to walk a mile with him, the bishop, and walk this mile seeking to follow Jesus. Now, in this case, mile is an acronym and I deeply appreciate it because we've been, as, as an annual conference and really as a denomination, we've been just sort of barely holding it together in recent years. That may be true for you personally, too. I've certainly had my days and seasons where I'm just barely hanging on through a special session of general conference that was messy and hard and emotional back in 2019, and then through an uninvited global pandemic that just turned everything upside down for a while and changed us in ways that none of us are who we were before March of 2020. So the bishop is seeking to pull us together by inviting all of us across the greater Northwest, that's Alaska, Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, pull all of us together as we walk this mile. Now, it doesn't mean that we're rolling out some program that specifies every little thing that you're expected to do. Not at all. Instead, there's some vague and broad and general directions meant to help guide you without being completely restrictive. Guidance that gets us enough on the same page that we can really pull together as community, as a connectional church, the connectional church that we are, connected to all of our other kindred United Methodist churches. So the MILE, here's what MILE stands for. M is for ministry that matters. The bishop has specifically discerned and has called us to journey with him with ministries relating to health, and to housing. Thanksgiving boxes, that's related to health. That's just the one thing I happened to hear in today's uh, announcements, but ensuring that people are well-fed and that they have what they need for a a traditional American holiday meal, that's nourishing uh, bodies, but it's also nourishing families, helping people to participate fully in cultural traditions that we have. I was joking earlier that uh, I know that everybody is able to get involved in housing ministry because you've got like 10, maybe 12 square feet of unused space on your property right outside this wall. (laughs) Somebody could use that, right? 
During annual conference, we did. We used every inch, inside and out. But, but working on ministries related to housing, that doesn't mean housing on your property. It does for some, but not for all. Probably not here, but there are all kinds of ways that we as disciples of Jesus can pull together with other United Methodists and partner with our community. Work our way into deeper relationships with our neighbors to understand how this congregation can be a part of helping folks where housing is a struggle for them. Ministry that matters specifically in the form of health and housing. That's what we're paying attention to for the M of mile. The I is for itineration, as in moving around. Ordained United Methodist clergy commit to that. That's a hard commitment, at least for me. And churches commit to it too, though you may not think about it very often. It doesn't happen too terribly frequently in any one church, but itineration means that your pastor moves from one church to another. Pastors aren't members of a local church. They're members of the annual conference. So that whole map that Pastor Mike put up, that's where both Pastor Mike and I are committed to serving, any place on that map. And you, church, experienced that during the pandemic, As if pandemic life wasn't hard enough after a long time with Pastor John, you said a hard goodbye and you welcomed Pastor Mike and his family here with him. That's itineration. L in mile is for laity. I don't know if that's a familiar term. Do you know the term laity in terms of the church? Some, not everyone. I I had thank you for the few of you who shook your head to give me a clue. I appreciate that. So there are two kinds of people in the church. There's clergy and laity. There's a lot more diversity and richness than that. But when it comes to, um, to itineration and looking at things in that way, there are clergy that are ordained and have committed to itinerate. And then there are laity that are the strong foundations in our local church. If it were just the clergy here, well, Pastor Mike, we'd have a conversation, but um, you might not want me to preach at you all day. It's the laity who are the church. It would be an all but entirely empty building without you. Mike and I can't do much on our own. The laity are of unspeakable worth. Your presence, but also the gifts that God has entrusted to you. They are crucial to the ministry here. And the bishop has asked us to pay attention to that. Not only to say, are you called to ordained ministry? If you are, I want to celebrate that with you. And so does your pastor. So do both of your pastors. But there's ministry of the laity too, to be sure. Jen, I apologize for leaving you out. You're in that in-between spot. Jen is pastor and yet layperson at this time on a journey of her own, exploring what it means to be clergy. And you're blessed to have uh, a part in her journey with her. So L is for laity. The bishop is asking us to celebrate and uplift and help the laity develop their gifts for ministry. And finally, the E is for the elimination of racism. That's not a new call for us. 
Bishop Elaine first called our attention to eliminating racism as a task of the Church back in 2020. And then, just weeks or a couple of months after Bishop Elaine, it was our bishops from around the world that were telling us that the United Methodist Church is called by God to be an anti-racist institution. So now Bishop Cedric is telling us that 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 wasn't particular to just one bishop. That doesn't change when he arrives as a new bishop. That's still who we're called to be as United Methodists. It also doesn't mean that that we're going to send you a program or that Pastor Mike is going to start something new or that Pastor Jen is going to revamp everything to fit in line with the mile. Rather, the ministries that you're already doing will together figure out how they can be a part of this mile. How can you be mindful of the hurts of racism while you're doing the Bible study that you're already doing? How can you take housing considerations uh, into the ministry that you're doing with the Thanksgiving food boxes? How can laity be more a part of particular things in this church that have usually been reserved for clergy? We'll weave this in. That was a royal we. I apologize. You'll weave this in to your ministry. You'll weave it in in the particular ways that God is calling you as the Church of the Warm Heart to do so. And as you do that, others will be doing that too. In CUNA, in Nampa, in Boise, in Middleton, all around us, all of our United Methodist churches will be walking this mile in our own communities but in solidarity with one another. In our own ways, but all faithful to the same call from God, the same Jesus who's walking with us along this mile, too. It will still not lead us to the Emerald City. It's highly unlikely, as far as I can tell, that it will lead us to Jericho, but maybe. We'll see. Where I'm sure it will lead us if we walk this mile, if we follow this path with Jesus, is into deeper relationships and closer and closer every step to the kingdom of God. May it be so. Amen. D.S. Karen, thank you for giving the word today. And the congregation, let us stand and sing our closing song, Holy Water. Like the sound of the 
symphony to my ears Like holy water on my skin Dead men walking, slave to sin I want to know about being born again I need you Oh God So take me to the riverside, take me under, baptize, I need you, oh God, I need you, oh, your forgiveness is like sweet, sweet honey on my lips, like the sound of a symphony to my step. Just know that you are loved, that you are cared for, that there are scary things out there in this world that you don't need to worry about. Uh, Jacob, did you find that picture? 
So my mom's watching the service. Hi, mom. And uh, she sent me a picture of her Halloween costume this year. She's a flying monkey from the Wizard of Oz. That's her at work. This might be her last year at work. We'll see how, how that goes. Whatever flying monkeys are in your life, God is greater. Whatever fears you have in your life, God is greater. Whatever worries or burdens that you have, God is greater, for he is good. Go in peace.